everyone, it's Men- uh, it's Men's Wear by a Woman podcast. I'm Samilla, and um, my guest today, his name is Theo Kutzer, and his um, blog is called Habilitate, which is a menswear blog. And um, even though it's a menswear blog, right, I've actually started to read his blog, and it's it's pretty cool. It's like more like a magazine than a blog, I would say. It's to me, it's more of a menswear magazine, and it's pretty good. It's really, really good. It's very interesting um, features in it. And I'm going to get Theo on and to talk about how he began and what's made him to start a blog magazine for menswear. Hi, Theo. How are you? Hi, Samina. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lovely introduction. <laughs> Did I get the words right? I know. Oh, you nailed all of them. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, um, Theo, I just wanted to know how you why and how you started into featuring a lot of things about menswear? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I'm kind of always interested to know how people get into this business, as it were, you know. Yeah. There, I often use the analogy of, like, uh, the bar exam or the, the MCATs or something like that, where there isn't, there isn't kind of a, a bar for entry, like, it rather... People who are drawn to clothing and menswear and so on are often just enthusiasts, really. Like they're just fans of the thing and then dive into it and kind of find their way in that. Particularly, I think, uh, on the writing side. Right. Uh, you know, obviously there's a, a great deal more sort of training and prep and that type of thing involved in the production. But people who write about menswear are often just fans who then uh, dedicate a certain amount of time to it. Um, and that was certainly the case for me. So I, I guess I, it, it, it just grew sort of naturally out of um, a pre-existing, like long-standing interest in it and always kind of vaguely wanting to pursue it in a professional capacity and then realizing, ah, actually through writing about it, that, that seems a good way to get into it. Have you always been interested in menswear though, when you were younger? Or, or- yes, I think so. It's... Um, you know, this is something that I ask people often mm-hmm. and I'm beginning to think that it is an interest in clothing or an interest in, in so many things is often just innate. Like in other words, I could, I could give you any number of um, specific things that I think may have like influenced it, but ultimately it feels like it is, it actually just grows from some sort of in, inborn um, mysterious uh aesthetic impulse just towards this stuff um so as a result from like a really young age I had extremely particular like um views about what I wanted to wear you know I uh, I refused for example in preschool to wear jeans I was like I was really early on in the uh in the like leisure wear thing I, I felt very strongly about only wearing matching tracksuits like as a five and six year old or whatever oh, right. uh, or like yeah. having a particular sweater or jacket or whatever that I would just wear over and over again and other things that my parents would be keen for me to wear and just like staunchly refusing so like from a really young age that stuff was there Uh, but on the other hand there was also I suppose in terms of now drawing at various strings as I say it is probably just innate but uh, nevertheless in terms of influences um, my dad was extremely into into clothing Um, Mm -hmm. he he was actually I suppose uh, much more of a, a collector even Right. It's a kind of uh, running joke in my family that his his wardrobe would kind of expand into all of the rest of our rooms and stuff. So he had his oh. own, but then he had clothes in my room, my mom's room, in like my grandmother's house. Elsewhere. Like it really was um, an obsession for him, really. Uh, denim in particular, he had like many, many dozens of pairs of jeans, some of them like 30 years old. He was, he was so not just, um, yeah, a, a real kind of, collecting impulse he would really sort of um hold on to his clothing for a long time and I, i'm sure that stuff must must have rubbed off on me in all kinds of ways um and then i suppose later on once i'd become a teenager at that point moving away from my immediate family and 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 you know people in school and whatever i would it then become it, it, it becomes a question of the the wider world as it were so um, at that point, movies and, and music and even books and so on yeah. um, invariably in, influenced it. And, and then I suppose actually 
the the sort of I guess as it's called the hashtag menswear movement. I guess the the next logical step was that uh, around the 2010s when at that point it it like I guess I had always just had a, a vague interest in or uh, um, I was aware that I was really interested in clothes, but I wouldn't um, think of it as a particularly substantial part of my personality. Whereas at that point it became clear, oh no, there are all these people who are kind of galvanized around this common interest. Yeah. And at that point I was like, oh yeah, I'm really into menswear. And that's the thing that people um, sort of follow as it were. You you say clothes communicate. So in what way does it communicate? Mm. In, in what sense does menswear communicate? Well, I think um, it is it is a given that whatever we wear, yeah. um, that whether whether consciously or otherwise, whether we are doing this deliberately or, or or even perhaps if we seek to escape from it, like people who deliberately don't want um, people to kind of judge them or interpret them based on what they wear. I think that is just a fact. That is just how people engage with one another. Right. Um, I think it, it is just it is just a function of us being social beings. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, it is it, on that very basic level, I, I do think it is, it is just table stakes for engaging with other people. So whether you like it or not, your clothes are communicating something about you. So from my perspective, it feels worth leaning into that as much as you can. Um, and all the better if you are actually interested in clothing to have some sort of sense about the the sort of stories and, and history and associations of the clothing that you wear, you know. Um, as I say, not everyone is going to see that stuff in the same way, but it, certainly if you're interested in clothes, I, I personally find it extremely rewarding to engage with that stuff, to think about it, to... Uh, not just in the in the way that I dress myself, but in terms of the people I interact with. Yeah. How, which which time of menswear do you think, um, history wise, is really that you really like about menswear? Do you know, I think. Um, I mean, it is really the the full gamut for me. I would say certainly in earnest, beginning around the nineteen thirties. I would say yeah. at that point. I mean, I think a lot of the tailoring trends we see at the moment you know they're um sort of lapels and even sort of trouser width and and rise and such I think that is sort of squarely the 30s and 40s uh is is sort of where we're hovering around at the moment and I I really like that stuff um there is a real um I think menswear was amazing that time. Oh, scary! I'm sorry. Sorry, menswear was amazing. Um, the 30s, the 40s. I, you know, absolutely. You, yeah, it, it's it's very often, I guess, uh, yeah. referred to as a kind of golden age of tailoring, isn't yeah. it? And there is a yeah. Th- th- I think that stuff is wonderful. But then, by the same token, I think um, the 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 50s, the the sort of narrow lapels, slimmer silhouettes yeah. in general. I think we've at the moment moved away a little bit from that. Um, or I mean, there are people who who always have. Um, you know, they're decades that they stick to, but, you know, we, we have kind of moved a little bit away from that, but I, I, I do still love that stuff. I was, um, I was writing about Paul Newman recently yeah. and looking at the, the kind of stuff that he was wearing in his early days. I mean, that stuff, um, as I say, it doesn't, uh, if you, if you pick up particular details, you might say, oh, well, that isn't exactly the, the current way that would look now, but of course it is completely timeless. And, as I say, there are versions of these. There are individual garments, individual styles, individual kind of um, menswear enclaves that just remain kind of timeless, actually, regardless of of trend, in a sense. I do think. Paul, so yeah, it, it's hard. For, it would be hard for me to choose a particular one. I kind of love the whole mishmash of it, really. I do think, right? Um, when you look at images of Paul Newman um, and the others. Like Hollywood's film stars, um, those times when you look at it, they they dress so well, in a sense that sometimes you think they didn't even try to dress well. Does that make sense? It is kind of incredibly. Oh, absolutely, and you know, and particularly because in many in many cases, you know, the the equivalents today, um, you know, start people would have a style like dedicated stylists yeah, telling exactly. them and helping them how to dress. Yeah. Whereas, of course, you know, Cary Grant uh, would often just, as as I understand it 
you, the suits that he wore in films, those were his suits. That is just how he wow. dressed. Um, and similarly, yeah, I mean, there are, there are many, many versions of this, but uh, you were mentioning Paul Newman there. I, I, it, it is incredible seeing uh, what in retrospect does seem like this incredible innate um, sense of dressing well. It's, it's remarkable. It's, it's um, when you've told me this, um, you know, they never had stylists. So they've actually put together their own clothes. And that is, it's like with the jazz artists as well during those times, mm. Mal Davis, you know, John Coltrane, all of these guys. And I was speaking to some, um, I was speaking to, um, uh, to a friend Graham of mine. Nash. Yeah. And also, and when I did the interview with Graham Marsh, um, mm. it, it was just that I was saying to him, it's, it was like they didn't have to try so hard to be so cool because they could be wearing this amazing blazer, right? Just an ordinary blazer, but once they wear it, sorry, once they wear it, it looks amazing. It just looks, wow, you know? It's it's just, just that softness of style and that chicness and elegant of style and it's it's amazing how they would carry it so well but they wouldn't realize how you know how elegant and how chic they were looking you know well i, I mean i think you're absolutely right in terms of the what they were able to do in terms of carrying this stuff yeah. off i do wonder if they didn't realize i mean my sense is that with a lot of these guys i mean someone like miles davis i think was was acutely the sense that i've gotten from reading about him a little bit oh, it, right, okay. as an example i think he was acutely aware of of the the particular way in which he dressed and, and what the the kind of um i think what i mean is um how, how well, what I mean is, um, even though he he might have known, he I'm sure he did. He he knew he was a style, you know, that he was becoming quite style, very very stylish, and you know he was leading the trend. But at the same time, he had this kind of coolness about him, you know. Absolutely. And it and that's what I feel like. All of them had this coolness about about it. They weren't, you know, they weren't in your face kind of thing. Does that make yeah? Yeah, I mean, it it, it is incredible. Um, the yeah, the, this this very um, ethereal, quite difficult to define sense of cool. That absolutely, I mean, these guys are just dripping in it. It's amazing. <laughs> They're dripping in cool, <laughs> you know. Um, I wanted to also ask you, um, what what do you think about menswear now at the moment? How do you how do you feel menswear is at the moment? Well, I think it, it is, we're in a very interesting period, I guess, in the sense that um, sort of in the immediate wake of the, the height of, of COVID, yeah. it has been interesting seeing how that has changed things. Um, I think, you know, when, when I was first getting into menswear proper, as I was saying in the, in the, in the 2010s, I mean, as a, as a, as a movement, if I can call it that, yeah. um, it is striking. We're kind of far. We're about a, de a decade separated from that period in time, and looking back on it, it was it was kind of interesting how unified menswear seemed as an entity. You know, in other words, um, there, there were still you know style tribes and so on, but there was some sense in which you know you have a pair of raw denim jeans and, a, and a, a set of red wings and and what have you and and what constituted being into menswear was a uh, a much narrower scope right? right um and as i say sure you still had your workwear guys your tailoring guys your yeah. preppies all that kind of stuff but as time has moved on it's it's kind of uh exploded into a into increasingly niche subcultures and i feel like the the pandemic had this sort of um it, it kicked that type of thing into overdrive where now um personally i find it extremely difficult to to talk about menswear as anything resembling a, a united thing and rather it is you know people are drawing from all kinds of different things from like like streetwear and and, all, and tailoring and and it just every every conceivable niche from high fashion as well. All of the stuff um, kind of blended together, and, and, and increasingly niche subtitles, often with increasingly uh, sort of amusing names as well. And 
Yeah, as a, as a result, it becomes very difficult to, to talk about it in any kind of unified way. But I do think it is, it is great. Like it's, I, I love seeing the, the variety that people come out with. Theo, do you think um, streetwear and tailoring can mix together? I definitely think so, yes. Um, I think plenty of contemporary brands have shown as much. I mean, I think the, the, the people often cited in this regard, I guess, Amelion Dor is one that readily comes to mind. I think even Drake's these days do a version of this, you know, that they increasingly bring in different influences. Um, yeah, I think that stuff is all over the show. And, and it's, uh, I, 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 yeah, it, it's fascinating to see uh, those things coming together. I, I know you had Leon from Keston on as well. Yes. And I, I know yeah. you guys spoke about yeah. a kind of similar thing, like seeing streetwear, you know, yeah. actually come quite literally into Savile Row. Yeah. Uh, it is kind of fascinating um, seeing that progression. Do you think like, um, you know, wearing trainers with suits? Well, so look, uh, I, I should <laughs> say I'm, I'm never going to, tell anyone um how they should dress you know i'm, right. I'm certainly not I, I don't have a particularly uh, prescriptive impulse in these things um and i've certainly seen i have seen examples of people where like um doing that type of thing well i what i will say is that i think it is um it is certainly more difficult to do um i i wouldn't do it myself um but I mean, that, that, that might just be a, a, a lack of imagination on my part. Uh, as I said, I've, I've seen, I have seen it look great, but um, yeah, I think it is, it is a trickier proposition. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chase Your Bliss, dude, uh, yeah, uh, it's, I, I'm certainly not going to tell anyone what to do. Uh, what, what is your, how do you feel about this type of thing? I quite like it. Nice. Okay. I quite like trainers with suits. Um, I, I think I'm going to get loads of people, loads of guys writing to me saying, no, that doesn't work. But I think it depends on the suit and it depends on the trainers. Um, but to me, I quite like them both. And I, I'm a very trainers fan. So I have mm. more trainers than um, normal shoes. Um, but right. I, yeah. I, I do think... Um, it's an interesting concept in a sense where I've spoken to someone about, you know, how about wearing denim with tailored garments, like denim jeans yeah. with a very tailored um, double blazer um, jacket or something, um, you know, a double blazer, um, double breasted, sorry, double breasted blazer um, with denim. And um, it was like, no, you can't do that. It doesn't look right. And, and I'm just thinking, why doesn't it look right? It is, there's no law against it um, that if you if you mix these two together, but I don't know. I think it's individual taste as well at the same time. But I do feel like wearing trainers with suits is it's great. I, I do like the I like them being you know it's it's just like them. Yeah, I do actually. I I, I do like them to um, together. But then I'm not saying that you shouldn't wear, um, you know, you shouldn't wear proper shoes as well with suits. But I do think it's um, it's an individual taste. I think. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah, uh, I also, I, for the record, agree with you that um, uh, a, a nice blazer and jeans can work great together. Yeah. Again, it's. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because I've had loads it's... of guys saying to me, no. That cannot work. You know, <laughs> well, I think it is, it's the type of thing where, as really with anything, um, it is uh, extreme, it, it, it can be difficult to do well, yeah. but I yeah. completely agree that there yeah. are there are no uh, laws against these things, despite what uh, what people might, might say. But it's also like saying if you wore a very nice tailored suit right and you put some i don't know new balance on or all-star converse on would that make you feel no way i'm not doing that um it's not i'm not touching that theo me personally you mean yeah boy um i think it really would uh it would depend on the individual kit as it were right. um, as i say it, uh, personally like you know the stuff that's hanging in my wardrobe right now i that isn't necessarily something that I would pull out. That said, though, I do really get a kick out of um, really mixing. You know, when I get dressed, I do. You know, it, it, I, I don't typically stick to a single 
aesthetic as it were you know yeah. uh, usually I won't just dress up in a strictly ivy-ish get up or a, a like hardline workwear thing it will often be an attempt to kind of bring in disparate elements together uh, you know with workwear uh, if, if it's a lot of um, hard fabrics and, and denim and leather and so on um, softening that with like some silk for example or, or wool or do you know what I mean like the, I, I, I do enjoy kind of crossing the various lines yeah. to uh, when, when getting dressed in that way and I, I guess the type of thing we're talking here is uh, these are just other examples of the same kind of impulse yeah I mean um, the, it's an, a very interesting concept in a sense where you know a few years back where you saw skateboarders in um, suits and the skateboarding, right? So it's um, it's that kind of concept where you feel like, well, why can't you wear trainers with um, suits? Um, and the and the other thing is because I put um, I put an image of Brad Pitt wearing um, Adidas. He, he had I saw that this morning. Yeah, <laughs> the tux with the Adidas, and you know it, it was very interesting. The comments I got back, quite in, very interesting. Yeah, what did actually. people say? Well, Peter, someone's saying, um, someone said it's um, it's a safer bet to wear those kind of trainers on the boat. I'm thinking, okay. Um, some will say, no way, no, 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 no. Someone else said, you know, that suit's not made very well, which I agree with them because I can see faults. I, I don't know. I, I just thought that tux could have been a bit more sharper. If you know what I mean. Yeah, it's been interesting seeing in general the type of thing that that Brad Pitt is has been wearing. Like, I mean, has been wearing throughout his whole career. He is such an interesting um, character, <laughs> like, an interesting character all round. Uh, but purely limiting to his his sense of style, he he is a, a very a, a very experimental uh, dresser. And it has been interesting seeing the type of thing that he's been wearing now. It is it is interesting. I, I completely agree with you. The, the cut of that tux is extremely unusual. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, of course, he is. Brad Pitt, which yeah, which exactly. means he can get away get with away all with of that, kind of that the rest of us certainly couldn't. Yeah, exactly, and and it, it was very interesting to get some um, to get the feedback, um, which was which was quite cool. The other thing I wanted to ask you was um, why why is it so important um, for you know like tailored suits that are coming back at the moment? Why do you think it's important? And a lot of guys are wearing well, them. Like I've been seeing a lot of um, bespoke things happening at the moment, which is great. Um, but I've seen a lot of a um, lot of that. Um, a lot of men are making bespoke, and suddenly. Yeah. So I think, um, as I say, I, I I really enjoy the kind of broad church of menswear. I, I I don't know that I would personally prioritize tailoring over over everything else right. that said i i do agree that i that it is important um just because it is um i think it is such an important such a significant part of the history of menswear yeah. the suit is is this kind of galvanizing item that that def, for better or worse defines what men wear yeah. um even though that that it may be largely outdated at this point nevertheless you know i think there's a there's a real wisdom to be found in the um basically a garment that has been around as long as the suit has has a lot to tell us about men's clothing in general right that thing has been evolving incrementally yeah and being perfected over decades and generations right, yeah. and the incredible kind of craftsmanship and knowledge and attention to detail that has evolved alongside that, um, it, it, it is a kind of perfect evol evolution towards suiting um, the, the male, the kind of conventional male form. Although it, it certainly needn't be only men who wear the, or people who identify as male as who wear these things. Um, and Yes, it would be a tremendous uh, loss to to not have all of that incredible knowledge that has been so kind of hard won over over the decades. So, Theo, um, who would you say at the moment, right, um, in your in in a sense that you think menswear they've got it spot on at the moment? 
Well, uh, yeah, that is a, it's a tricky one to answer, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there are any number of people that, uh, or brands that I could point to in this respect. Um, I do, I mean, so not necessarily even going from my own um preference to although it would be that as well but just just seeing the the kind of impact that that uh arguably an outsized impact um someone like drake's really comes to mind uh, it's kind of incredible thinking about this brand that just started off making neckties yeah um now being uh like having sort of defining an aesthetic that so many people, certainly on the more um, sort of, as I say, sort of tailoring-based uh, Ivy-influenced side of the spectrum, yeah. um, it, it's just remarkable. I, I think I mentioned uh, Amelia Andor earlier. I think they're yeah. another one that comes to mind Absolutely. in a similar vein, yeah. also kind of riding that line, except heading more towards um streetwear in that sense yeah. uh, it, it is fascinating seeing um brands like that kind of if not necessarily create certainly come to define in the popular imagination an entire aesthetic like it is just remarkable seeing something like that with your blog right a bit a bit okay i apologize habilitate um, oh no problem um why how long have you been doing this um how long has it been you've been writing about menswear uh the blog is just coming up on its second year now actually although i i was working on it a little bit before then right. but yeah this this uh i started in january of 2021 so we're yeah we're just coming up to the second year now um and why did you think right it was it was important to have this kind of blog well, in those times mm, from 2021. Sorry to say again. Why did you think it was so important to have a blog? Well, so I don't know that I necessarily thought it was right. Um, important, as it were. I, I've certainly been very gratified that that other people seem to to like it and, yeah. and respond well to it. Um, but I, I to, to answer your question, I, I suppose I did have. Um, some sense that even though the online menswear world had been up and running for a decade or so, or so at that point, yeah. um, I suppose I nevertheless had some sense that there was still space for other kind of voices to, to enter that, that field, you know, um, arguably starting a, a, menswear blog in 2021 rather than in 2011 a, a decade prior when yeah. the, the, the former seems to perhaps have been a, would have been a more um, logical optional although I would have been too young at that point um, nevertheless it's even even at this sort of more progressed stage of the kind of online menswear world I, I did have some sense that there were as I say room for for other, other voices, uh, that certainly started as a hunch. And I, as I said, I've been extremely um, gratified to to see people kind of agreeing in terms of their very kind responses to, to the stuff that I've written. Would you say that at the moment, um, do you think there isn't enough uh, magazines about menswear or do you think there's too many online magazines for menswear? I mean, I think, as I said, I... I uh, I think there's there's always space for more. I'm always fascinated. I'm always extremely excited to come across um, a new person uh, or a new site or something like that that I haven't discovered yeah. before. I think the the more the better, basically. And Theo, you actually talk about a lot about watches as well on the actual I do. magazine. <laughs> yeah. and, and watches has always been like a massive part of menswear, huge part of menswear. Um, why do you think um, watches are so big in menswear? Right. Well, let me. Can I ask you first? Are you interested in watches yourself? I love watches. I am oh, fascinated great. by watches. <laughs> watches. Okay. Cars. 
comics fascinated um especially Brilliant. i love that yeah that's uh, that is a lovely <laughs> collection of things um yeah. man it is a it is a great question and there are a lot of i guess there are a lot of people trying to answer this this question like what has accounted for this particular boom yeah. I, I i mean i'm interested to hear you saying talking about um watches being huge in menswear because i actually find it can go either way right. in other words people who are into menswear are like well into watches like myself I, it, it's a, this kind of twin passion yeah uh, whereas other people uh it, it's often the case that these two worlds don't meet at all you know all you right. will get people who are really really deep down the rabbit hole of menswear but could not care less about watches, yeah. um, watches. you know they kind of just glorified jewelry if that had uh, this kind of afterthought uh, if, if you even wear it at all and then of course the, the 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 other side is true as well where people who are so like passionate about watches um and therefore as a result wear them right so it's part of the their get up have zero interest in clothes and i've always found that fascinating because of course i i personally straddle those worlds um but yeah it is it is it, it's been incredible to see the the boom in interest in um, in watches of the last few years, of which I myself am a part. I certainly would not uh, position myself as any sort of expert. I'm very much a kind of neophyte in the in the uh, in the watch world. I'm I'm very you know uh, you're right that I do love talking about them, but it is partly me kind of learning as I go along. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. And yeah, it is just an absolute like an endlessly endlessly fascinating world. It is actually because um, I. I'm fascinated by watches. I, I've always have been. Watches and cars, racing, vintage cars, actually. I think, and I think you, that uh, those two interests so often go together. Yeah. And I think it, it, I'd be curious to know why it is for you. I, I, I often I, get the sense that it is, there is a, a similar kind of mechanical interest in the, in the, in the way that, that, uh, th- th- these incredibly complex machines doing a very particular job extremely well, but also pairing that with beautiful design and aesthetics. I- I'm curious, what, it, what do you do? You think of those two interests as being combined? I think for you? Um, I think watches and ra- um, vintage cars, right, has always been interest to me um, when I was younger, so at a very young age, and um, and menswear was all also, but. But I, when I was when I was a kid, right, I didn't know that I was going into menswear. But I, I used to love the way my father used to be. You know, he used to wear his amazing suit. Um, Theo, my dad's never wore trainers or jeans. You know that. <laughs> He's great. never, ever, ever have I ever seen my father wear a pair of trainers or pair of jeans. Um, he would never, ever touch them. But the fact is that my father was always um, dressed very, very classic and smart. But his watch will always be um, white face um, with black um, leather straps. Um, so it was um, with, I've still got one of his watches, actually. It's a 1960s, 1960s watch, a Rolex, which doesn't work. Yeah. And it's got the original. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's and incredible. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And I do want to get it working, but I'm petrified that, you know, they'll do something to it and ruin it. So... Oh, I can understand, yeah, particularly with, with all of the... Um, sentiments on it, yeah. Um, yeah. But I've actually... Um, I don't know. I've, I've always loved vintage cars, always, um, as a kid. But I don't know how these two... I have no idea why they combine together with me. And It is, it is striking how often they do, they do though. Uh, I, I've, I've kind of been fascinated. I guess part of it as well that... Um, not least because so many watch brands yeah. um, have a history of sponsoring motorsport, for one thing. Yeah. Um, but also, so, I think yeah. the history of it is so important as well. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the lot of the watches, um, you know, some of the watch brands that you come across, men's watch brands, that they've got this kind of history behind it. There's a you know, there's a huge. Um, a story behind it as well, which I oh yeah, in, which in, in every more. instance, I, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it is remarkable, yeah. and and particularly with with watchmaking, as you say, because um, certainly there is a very long um, sort of equivalent history in menswear, right? But it is it's rare to come across a watch that uh, sorry, it, it's rare to come across a brand, yep. although there are 
instances of this that have existed since the 1700s, for example. And yet there are there are watch manufacturers that have been making watches for literally exactly. hundreds of years. Exactly. Um, which is just incredible. And it's same with the cars as well, I think. The majority of the vintage cars, you, you have this history behind it. And, you know, you just... I mean, yeah, the modern cars are great, but not as great as the vintage cars. <laughs> Certainly there is. A, I, I, I don't know much about cars. Um, I'm, I'm a kind of fair-weather F1 fan. Um, right. Recently <laughs> uh, got, gotten into the sport a little bit and uh, also, also just a kind of much more of an, a, an aesthetic appreciation of yeah. cars. And from that perspective, absolutely, you do kind of, uh, I certainly find myself wondering uh, sort of what went wrong in car design after, exactly. say, the 1970s. Yeah. At a certain point, that, that like there was just people seemed to be to lose interest in making good-looking cars. I certainly couldn't speak to the mechanics of it, but it, but the, the looks of them certainly. Yeah, exactly. Seems to have I, I think right. I think I I would be like I don't care how how fast it goes as long as it looks good. I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. <laughs> I'm with you there. Um, the other what I want to say is um. What's your prediction for what men should be wearing for at the moment for the winter? What would you say? Yeah, um, as I say, I, I I typically um, what yeah, are they I, going I don't to be wearing? Think of myself as being the business of telling people what to wear. That said, in well, terms what, what, of um, what is it that they should be wearing? What, what do you think they should be wearing? Well, certainly speaking for myself, um, I am pretty excited to, um, I, I, I have loved the direction that winter coats have taken in the last few years. Yeah. Sort of, um, uh, again, I think of very much a, a, a post-pandemic evolution where when we were all sat around our houses wearing sweats, um, comfort becoming the, the kind of primary consideration for a lot of people in terms of their clothing. I think we now see that filter into um, all, all other spheres of, of dress, um, including even on the more, on the sort of tailoring side. Uh, but it, I find it particularly interesting to see it play out in things like overcoats. So to see uh, larger silhouettes, to see raglan sleeves, for example, which tend to be much more um, comfortable, um, and, and also just, I think that there was a kind of drab, they can very often be, this is a, a I suppose, a pet peeve of mine, um, a, a real drabness in, in, um, winter clothing. You know, I'm, I'm from South Africa originally, and I moved to the UK a few years ago. Right. And, um, I remember winter, the, the first winter and, and it sort of continues even into the present day, um, it's already such a shock for it to be so cold and so dark. And then for everyone to be wearing some version of the same grim, like black puffer coat thing, just kind of completely drowning. Yeah. Um, it's this very sort of Alice Lowry style, just horrible, um, unnecessarily grim concession to, 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 to darkness and cold weather. Whereas I have always found myself, um, or certainly in recent years, found myself really drawn to quite colourful, um, eye-catching out, outerwear. Uh, so, um, whether it be a bright colour or even or a brighter shade, certainly not um, not black, or something with a little bit of texture, just something to give a bit of interest, so that I guess we don't kind of collectively sink into the the dumps in winter. And um, so, yes, as far as uh, um, encouraging people, I would say get yourself a nice. Um, cheerful winter coat, <laughs> if you can. Color, um, it seems like color has come back um, in menswear. Um, a lot of men are wearing more color. I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm thrilled for it. Yeah, it's a it's a lovely addition. But I think particularly as I say, um, I, I have I, I should say I I, I was kind of um, being quite negative about about the the shade black there, but. Um, <laughs> I, I I have kind of come round to it in things like sweaters much more. Um, there, there was a, a period where I just didn't wear black at all, really. Um, I've, I've kind of come back into the fold, but I, I am still holding out. I still think if you're going to buy a new coat, um, my, my probably mom, best to wear black. 
my mum hates black. Um, she hates that oh, yeah? black. Yeah, I wear it a lot, and um, she would just say, "Could you not find any other colours?" You know. Uh, well, I think I think it is it is such a chic shade, you know, and it, it is, is it is it's... this like iconic fashion look, right? You know, I think black is is I mean, even seeing a resurgence in black tailoring, which for ages yeah. was sort of verboten in menswear. That stuff is incredible when done well. Um, so I, I love it. I've just never been able to do it myself. Uh, and as I'm <laughs> sort of slowly coming back to it, uh, what do you, what what kind of black things do you typically wear then? Well, I'm always wearing my black jeans. I'm really into black jeans. Oh yeah. Um, I don't like. Um, I. It's really weird because before the pandemic, I was really into um, navy. You know, the blue denim. But at the moment, I'm into really black jeans, and I love black jeans for some reason. And there was, you know, I keep wearing them, and my and black tops, and it just looks really cool, kind of thing. And at the same time, I wear my trainers, and I've got all different kinds of trainers. But my mother hates me wearing black. She can't stand me wearing black. And every time I see her, she's like, "Oh God, do you not?" You know, she always says, "Don't you have any other colors?" In the wardrobe. Well, so I, I, I she certainly. She comes from a very colourful wardrobe, be, though. My uh, a, a great look. Colorful. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't second your mother on that uh, necessarily. But as I say, well, well, let me ask you this: what, what, uh, what, what is your winter coat situation? My winter coat situation is at the moment is um, I've got a very nice camel coat. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's, that's what you need that's, that's brilliant it, that's it it's a camel coat and i love that color so much and it's um and i've also got one of my dad's um cashmere coat right and it's, it's navy but i'm trying to get it um trying to get it um i'm going to get it altered so i can wear it but yeah. uh, but also my father was quite a slim man and um i did try his coat on and I thought, even if I just put a belt around it, and it's double-breasted, it's belt around it, I thought, I could carry this off really well. So Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly on trend. I mean, I think so many, uh, the, the, the movement in, men, in, in overcoats in general is becoming increasingly, yeah. these kind of increasingly larger silhouettes, and it looks great. So I, I imagine that would look really good. I also I, think, I, I'm curious to know if this is your sense as well. Um, I do, I think you're exactly on the pulse in terms of black jeans as well. It, I, I feel like in in the last few months, I've really seen a kind of uptick in the number of uh, people seeing, uh, people wearing black jeans. Yeah. Um, where I think, I think, I think particularly uh, in many ways, the, so certainly I thought of the kind of, uh, the skinny jeans phase as being predominantly about wearing black jeans, but that may have been kind of punk influences and stuff. Yeah, and I, I think, think so. as that sort of yeah. filtered, as those, slimmer cut sort of began to filter out um i think yeah for whatever reason um and and just because it is the the kind of historical shade you know indigo being associated with denim yeah. that was the, the 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 standard that i so it, it was kind of all you saw for for a very long time and now uh, i feel like recently seeing so many like selvage black jeans um being worn by people and it, it yeah it looks great i think it's really really cool and i think my dad's um the coat that he has it's a it's an old coat and it's a tailored coat and when i put it on I mean, you can still feel the actual shoulder pad and the sleeve head roll and it's quite tailored and um and it looks really great because if you if you actually put a belt around it it just looks very boxy and comes in so it's um um, I'll send you a picture of it, actually, Theo, and you can tell me what you think. And you know, brilliant. I mean, it sounds it sounds it's, great. It's, it's yeah. a really really nice coat. It's a lovely coat, and um, and I thought to myself, I could alter it myself, but I thought, oh, but then again, I could just wear it like this, and it, and I'd probably be able to, you know, put it off, kind of thing, and it, you know, it, it would look alright. So I'm going to try my very best and try and wear it. But it hasn't been so cold, so it's like. <laughs> weather's it's just true, been quite warm it? it's like okay we're in november and it's really warm so it's going to hit us very soon i presume oh i think so <laughs> yeah. I, i'm curious there I, I wanted to ask you actually you mentioned mm-hmm. altering it yourself i was curious what is your own um sort of we, we, we've spoken a little bit about me getting into men's i was curious 
what is your um, sort of clothing related background, especially um, in the context of you talking about potentially being able to yeah. make alterations? Well, my background is um, I've always been interested in my um, the way my dad used to um, dress, and um, and also my mum wears these amazing saris, right? Mm. And my brother was into streetwear, so I saw the well, best that's a great, uh, combination, right? So I get my colour from my mum. Tailoring comes from my dad because my the way my dad used to wear his tailored suits, and streetwear comes from my brother. So as a kid, seeing all of this, that's what I grew up with. Um, so I went to, obviously, um, I went to um, Central St. Martins to do my BA honours in menswear. And then I went to the Royal College of Art to do my master's in menswear. But my, um, I think during those times when I was younger, I didn't realise there was such thing as menswear designer. And I think when once I spoke to Jason Jules, he actually reminded me, it must have come from somewhere. You must have realized that you're going to be a menswear designer. I said, never, never. Wow. But then he actually said, when when I spoke to him about my father's tailoring and how fascinated I was with my father's suits, uh, my father also taught me how to do a man's tie at the age of six. So, you know, watching my dad, the way he was dressed with his tie, with his white shirt, with these beautiful tailored trousers my father's shoes was very sharp um you know it, i think that's how i was staring into menswear but i didn't realize i was i didn't think i was wow, you know that's great that's an amazing story you know so and then color is so important to me because um then my mum wearing these amazing color saris with patterns and i don't think yet i've come across any saris that the colors don't go together you know, mm, that's so true. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, and that's how I think I went into menswear. Um, though then I didn't know because I wanted to be an astrophysicist and then an oh, architect. Wow. But then, um, you know, it kind of slid through to um, menswear in fashion. I think if I was to do women's wear, it would be very couture, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's how my, I think that's, how, yeah, that's how it all began. And I've always been fascinated with menswear. So with the alterations, because I've come from that kind of field, I I could I can do it, but I don't think I want to do it because I feel like that coat would look amazing if I wear it in a certain way. Mm. You know. Yeah, I completely agree. It sounds it sounds fantastic. So yeah, I would just like to ask you last question: Have you got any style icons? Well, um, again, it's one of those where there are so many that it it, um, it becomes difficult to single anyone out. I mean, it is the the usual mix of things that you would expect, um, you know, old movie stars and yeah. musicians. Um, I write about authors a lot. That's I, th- I think I, I, my background is is English literature, so I, I guess you know I, I long been in the habit of like whenever I read a book, I'll I'll kind of look at photos of the uh, the author and see how they dress. Um, and of course there are, you know, any number of people that I follow on Instagram that this is true of, and uh, many of whom will be uh, familiar to people already. Um, the, the person who I do bring up though, sometimes in this respect, because they are, depending on who you are, somewhat just sort of slightly out of the mainstream or, or the niche menswear world um, is Pat Riley. Do you know who that is? No. Who's Pat Riley? So he, so I'm, I'm a, a big basketball fan. Right. And uh, all, all, all of your listeners um, who are into basketball will yeah, be will balking know. at me bringing up Pat Riley as a, as a niche figure. He is an absolute um, titan in the world of basketball. And so I, I support a team called the Miami Heat, and he is their GM. Although before that, he was very famous as a player. And then as a coach, he was involved with the, the Showtime Lakers, who've, who've been in the uh, in the headlines recently because of a high-profile HBO show about them. And then another uh, the, the New York Knicks in the 90s, and now the Miami Heat. And the thing is, he is this incredibly chic figure where he would turn up to the sidelines 
like decked out head to toe in Armani and wearing these oh, shirts wow. with these incredible curved collars and just like absolutely dressed to the nines. Um, and there are all these great stories about him. I believe he was actually friends with Armani, which is how right. he started wearing those. Okay. That, that, and, and we're talking sort of in the 80s and 90s, right? So this is like peak uh, time right. for that. But, yeah, Armani, um, yeah. For, for that kind of look that, he, that um, Armani kind of came to to shape and define. And yeah, Pat, in my experience, is just, or it, it, yeah, I don't think this is a controversial view at all. He, he really came to epitomize that look. And it was just so, it's so I've, I've spent hours uh, just looking at photos of him on the sidelines at basketball games back when uh, coaches still wore suits. Of course, the, the pandemic did away with this, but one of the yeah. many suit-related um, uh, victims of the of the pandemic was the sideline suit by NBA coaches. Uh, but to this day, even though he doesn't coach anymore, uh, you can still, whenever you see Pat at a game, he is still, I mean, he is pushing 80 at this point, and he's still just completely... Uh, decked out in the most exquisite tailoring. I think I have so, yeah, he is, as I say, I, 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 I hope I haven't uh, set the eyes of some of your listeners. Rogue, no, Theo, uh, I think I have. Niche, but he is, uh, he is uh, I think um, I have a remarkable come, figure. I, I think I have come across him recently. I have, I you think, do. He's, still, yeah. he's the type of figure who I'm sure if uh, I people have, don't know I him, have because I'll uh, tell you they why. might recognize, like if they give him a Google. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm just looking at his stuff and I'm thinking, yes, I have come across him, hundred percent. Yes, and he dresses so amazingly well. Oh, it's amazing! And you have the, the slick well. back hair. I mean, he is. Oh, oh my god! Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sort yeah, of yeah, Gordon yeah, yeah, yeah. Gecko of basketball. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a remarkable thing to behold. Hold. So on that note, Thea, I would love to thank you for coming on to Men's Away by a Woman podcast. It's been an absolutely pleasure and amazing to have you on board. Um, thank, thank you so much. So I've, I've had such a great time chatting to you. Thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm hoping that I, I know you're in a hurry as well to go um, because you've got lots going on. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Thea. And I will hopefully try and catch you up uh, again and do another version, another podcast if you're interested. Oh, I would love to, anytime. Brilliant. Thank you, Theo. Thanks very much, Samila.